Welcome to the WRSU Crew, the revolutionary show to hear all things sports, from your very own Rutgers Athletics to the hot topics in all professional and collegiate sports from around the globe, coming to you from your own Rutgers students. Sit back, relax, and enjoy your ride with the crew. And welcome today, Wednesday, November 4th, for the WRSU Crew. I'm your host, Dylan McCoy, and I'm here with Chris Taconis. Chris? Yeah, it's great to be back with you, Dylan. Another week of the Wednesday crew. We got a lot going on at Rutgers Athletics, you know. Um, I know everyone is locked in on all of the data that's coming in. And look, I got to tell you, this Ohio State defensive line is going to be hard to uh, keep up with. That's... um, that's why I've been. I, I'm not gonna lie. I heard you talk about data. That's not <laughs> what I expect you to come out with. Well, but I appreciate it. Yeah, it's basically like um, those John Rothstein tweets where it's like uh, LSU's playing New Orleans on Thanksgiving weekend, and it's like the night of the election. You see those tweets? Oh, I saw them. Oh, I mean, God. the only John Rothstein tweet I like to see though is uh, Steve Peichel. Yeah. Well, it's interesting oh. you bring that up because I just got a DM from uh, from our assistant sports director and. Um, uh, Jake Schmied, uh, we got a little bit of a Schmied bomb here. Um, so basically, Sacred Heart released their basketball schedule, and um, Rutgers is the first game on November twenty fifth. So I, I, I like that matchup. Is um, is Sacred Heart a D one for basketball? They're definitely not a D one for other sports. They're they're D one for basketball. I'm pretty sure. That's good. I'm, I don't like. I, I don't want to see any more uh, any more Caldwell matchups. No offense to Caldwell, but. There, especially this year when it, you're, like, very limited in what you can schedule, there's really no point in putting an opponent that you, like, very much should be. Like, there was a stretch last year in, like, December where you played Caldwell and Bryant and those other schools that, like, Rutgers should beat. And I just think with the way we've played, like, you shouldn't schedule opponents like that. I'm not saying the Sacred Heart will be, but I don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm of the... Uh, I'm of the elk that I like a uh, a tough non-conference schedule, just just to show how your team's improving. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, did you see uh, the Big Ten ACC Challenge game has been confirmed December eighth? Rutgers. Uh, yeah, first I did see that. Yes, I did see that. That's uh, that's gonna be a fun one. It's exciting, you know. That's a that's a team with a lot of history. That's a team we've beaten before. Uh, two thousand three would probably be the main example. Uh. A buzzer beater victory for Rutgers uh, over that 2003 team that featured Carmelo Anthony. They won the national title. So you know these teams, um, they have a history. They were both Big East members. Um, yeah, yeah. I think um, you know that old Big East rivalry is going to be huge. Um, obviously they're trying to keep travel to a minimum, which is why we backed out of the Jimmy V Classic, which was going to be in Florida, but now it looks like that's fallen through. So I don't know where they're going to do that, but. Rutgers definitely won't be a part of it. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if we just see a lot of local non-conference matchups. I expect the conference schedule to probably start in December. Um, I know Big East, for instance, has their uh, conference schedule starting second week of December. They already released the early part of their slate. Um, I, I'd have to imagine the Big Ten and Rutgers aren't that far out. Um, I mean, we're, what, three weeks away from uh, the start of the season? Like, it has to be. Yeah, the start of the season is the Coming. 25th, so yeah, we're exactly so. three three weeks from today. We are going to have college basketball, which I can't lie to you is an amazing feeling. Yes. The fact that a few months ago we didn't even have sports. So to be able to get college football, college basketball, uh, the end of the NFL, you know, it's just it, uh, the start of the NBA. The NBA is going to start again on, like, the 22nd. Um. So definitely excited. Um, what would you say would be um, the biggest part of uh, Rucker's schedule? Like maybe a game we could win, maybe a game we should win and might drop. You know, what is, if you had to pick a matchup or two, a game that will define the season for Rutgers, you would say? You know, that's a tough one. Um, I, I really think that, you know, last year I would say Seton Hall and Maryland were like the two really big wins. Uh, I don't know if there's a single game that stands. I mean, well, Seton Hall is always going to be a big game as long as both teams are good. Um, but beyond that, you know, Rutgers, you know, a lot of those games that are like, you know, Rutgers just, you know, hasn't been able to get over the hump against Maryland, hadn't been able to get over the hump um, aside from that one upset over Seton Hall. 
Uh, th- that was largely put to bed last year. So now the question, I guess, is c- not less um, on specific opponents. Um, it's more on, you know, just like the macro level, how far up the Big Ten standings can they get? A lot of the preseason uh, rankings have had Rutgers between four and six. Most of the reputable, reputable ones, at least, um, between four and six. So, um, you know, if that holds, that's definitely a lock for the NCAA tournament as it's usually structured. Um, you know, maybe Rutgers can even take a further step forward if the freshmen um, integrate into the squad and play well faster than we expect. It's going to be interesting to see. Um, I'm really excited to see Cliff Omarugi, especially in the front court. Um, a really, really talented freshman to pair up with Miles Johnson. There hasn't been a lot of depth at that center position. And, you know, Rutgers could be looking at a real one-two punch in the paint. No, I definitely agree with you. You know, playing in the paint was um, definitely not one of our strong suits last year. You know, we're a smaller team just in general. Getting Cliff Omer is going to be huge. Yeah, and it looks like we finally have Mike Nichols on uh, this crew. Had a little bit of difficulties connecting with him earlier. Mike, how you doing, man? I'm doing well. Just happy to be back on the crew. Yeah, yeah. Sorry for those uh, technical problems again. but No, uh, no you, worries. Yeah. Uh, what do you make of Rutgers basketball this season uh, since we're on the topic? Uh, I'm very excited for it. I'm sure as many people are and many Rutgers fans are. The, the thing I, I look for is I really want to see who's going to step up in the absence of Caleb McConnell. Uh, obviously, Al, he's taking a medical redshirt this year because of a back injury. So, and he, he you know, he was a key part of, of our team. He was the starter that replaced Geo Baker for a long stretch of games when he was out this year. So, I want to see who's able to place, replace Caleb McConnell. Is it, you know, Jacob Young taking a step forward? Is it Paul McCulkey taking a step forward? Uh, Mulcahy? Is it uh or Cliff Omaruli maybe making up making a you know a big name for himself in the paint? So we'll see we'll see who it is. Yeah, yeah, I think that you know you're spot on uh, with that. I I think that Mulcahy is an interesting case because he's a guy that you know he showed some flashes of promise. He you know he got minutes, but he wasn't like a starter. Like he wasn't someone that Rutgers you know needed to be. Uh, a top performer every single night. Um, he was sort of working his way in. And I feel like this is a real opportunity for him to, you know, be able to grow his game. I think he's going to be a much improved point guard, but he'll still be behind Geo Baker. So he'll be behind Jacob Young. He might get more minutes, but he's not going to start over either of those. So, um, you know, he has a real opportunity to be one of the more, if not the most valuable player coming off the bench for Rutgers. Cause I don't, the way that I see the rotation shaking up, I, I just don't see him starting. But I think he could be very important as a facilitator off the bench. I got to say, um, I know for a lot of teams this season, obviously, it's been a curse yes. with, um, you know, the world, basically. But um, I I think this season is actually kind of a blessing for Rutgers because you have guys like Geo Baker, um, guys like Kayla McConnell, you know, guys who are have used uh, a good amount of their eligibility already. And now, like, with COVID and all the restrictions around it and stuff, um, they're actually be granting an extra year of eligibility by the NCAA. Like, this year will not count against them. So it, it's kind of nice for Rutgers because they're in a good place where they're improving, they're competing, and they're recruiting better. And this, um, this rule honestly just gives them another, you know, another year to really recruit uh, good players, you know, to establish, uh, you know, um, te- uh, the system. You know, players will have another year to learn Pikel's system, hard defense, uh, aggressive offense. So I really, not that COVID was a good thing for anyone, because it obviously wasn't, but for Rutgers, you can definitely see where it um, helps out the team just because of that extra time and that extra build, bu- that extra building time that uh, Pikel yeah. is going to have with the, uh, with the program. So... I'm really excited to see what happens. We have uh, Geo Baker, who was just placed on the watch list of the Bob for the Bob Cousy Award, the top point guard in uh, I saw. basketball. And even more recently, uh, Ron Harper Jr., I believe, made the watch list for the Julius Irving Award, which is the top uh, top small forward or just forward in college basketball. Uh, either way, that's a that's a really exciting award. You know, those are awards 
uh, two years ago that you wouldn't dream that Rutgers would even be close to uh, having someone in the watch list for. So, you know, it, it, it's just nice. It's nice to see this program compete in pretty much every game they play, and uh, I'll be excited to watch them this year. This is probably the first time they've ever had two players on uh, some sort of preseason watch list, you know, in, in years. God knows how long. I'm not going to lie, Mike. I, I do not have the stats in front of me, but if you told me it was the first time ever that this happened, I, I wouldn't be surprised. Just because Rutgers basketball hasn't really competed like this since, honestly, like the 70s and the 80s. And I know, I understand that it's one season and you need more than one season to build a program. I do get that. But it's very obvious that they have the building blocks in place. They have, an, they have a team who plays aggressive defense who is in every game they play. They have guys who can score. You know, definitely the shooting percentages need to go up, especially at the line. But this is a team that is in every game they play. You don't see a lot of games anymore where it's like Rutgers got blown out and they got dominated. That doesn't really happen anymore at the rack or otherwise. I just really like the place this program is in, especially um, when Coach Peichel took it over in 2016. You know, that was only four years ago, and we were last in the Big Ten. We were a guaranteed last every year. And now we're a team that could finish, I don't know, as high as third, fourth. I wouldn't put it past this team if, if they played really well every night. So it's, exci- it's exciting to see the, the building of this program happen so, so quickly. Yeah, and and I guess, you know, the big challenge here is they're going to have a shorter season in terms of total games played this year than they were last year. Um, Because, one, I think that the Big Ten is going to start their conference season earlier um, and, you know, spread out the 20 league games more, um, you know, to account for potential game postponements and whatnot uh, to try their best to get a full league schedule played. Um, So... You're going to have fewer opportunities to play like those, you know, um, maybe less difficult opponents um, like those mid-major schools that you talked about earlier, Dylan. And I guess my my big question here, the one thing that I think could, you know, be a detriment to Rutgers in the beginning potentially is they're, they're not a team that usually gets off to the fastest start. Like, I, I'm sure you remember, Dylan, last November, they... You know, they almost lost to, what was it, Bryant was the game they almost lost on oh, opening I, night? I remember. Yes. And they also lost to St. Bonaventure. Yes, St. Bonaventure, um, mm-hmm. Pittsburgh on the road. I was I was at that game. Um, there were a couple games where they didn't look, you know, necessarily NCAA tournament material. And, you know, he's got a couple freshmen in the squad, too, that are going to be, you know, trying to find their way in the most unusual circumstances. So it's going to be interesting to see how they sort of navigate that. I wouldn't be surprised if Rutgers maybe – underperforms a little bit in November and December and then sort of gets into a gear late December, early January and really um, finds their stride then. So um, I think that that's a possibility just based on what I've seen from this team in the past. I could be totally wrong. And if I am great, um, I still think that this is an NCAA tournament team. And I think that this could be the most exciting Rutgers team we've seen certainly in any of our lifetimes and probably in the last couple of decades. No, I agree, and I definitely think that slow start could uh, kill them this year, especially with a uh, a shorter season. You know, this team is is not a team that is going to get up on you early and and beat you down. Like they they don't have the offensive capability for that, unless things have changed since last year, which they definitely could have. They've had a lot of time to practice. You know, this was not a, a good shooting team last year. This was a team that relied heavily on defense. You know, they were aggressive, having the rack. Having 8,000 people in that loud arena definitely doesn't hurt. The best home record in the country. There are so many variables that are so much different from last year uh, with this team. So it, it, it's very exciting to see where they're going. But you also have to remember, this is the most different season that any of us have ever seen, any of these players have ever seen. It's really unpredictable. Like I don't think if you would have asked me in uh, in July when the – when the MLB season started, that the Rays were going to go to the World Series. A lot of just very unusual things have been happening this year in the world of sports. So I I do think the Knights are going to have a pretty good season, and they're probably going to be an NCAA tournament team. I don't see them falling off that much, but there's definitely consideration that needs to be taken into place into the things that are just so much different 
and how Rutgers will react to that. We've seen Rutgers football has had a great reaction to that. They won a Big Ten game. Huge. Um, but it's, it, it's yet to see what any basketball school, let alone Rutgers, is going to – how they're going to react to this pandemic, to not playing in front of fans, to, you know, having practice hours restricted, to being tested every day. You know, it's really just – every time a new sports season starts – we ask ourselves the same questions, which is how is everyone going to react to this and how is this going to change how people play? So that's really, I think, what we're all waiting for is to see how everyone shakes up and just, you know, when they get into game action, we'll really see how they uh, how they play this year. Mike, you have anything you want to add to us? I think the biggest loss due to COVID will be the, the atmosphere yep. at the rack. It, it will 100% be that. I would, going I, to a home game at the rack, sorry, Dylan. It, it's just, it, it's you have a headache after you're in there. You know, you stay, you stay for both halves, and you you have a headache after you're in there. It, it is loud, and it is not nice to uh, opposing opponents. So it it was a great, you know, home court advantage for them. So I think definitely think that's the biggest thing they have to overcome this upcoming season. I was going to say, some people feel like they pass out. If you're me, you get on a crowded LX, feel like you're dehydrated and almost asked to get off of the bus around the quads. Um, no, but I, I think that's definitely a huge loss. You know, the best home record in the country speaks for itself. They went 18-1. You know, I was there. If you ever saw a guy, second row, long hair, Hawaiian shirt, on BTN, that was me. Yes, that. Hawaiian shirt. That's like standard Rutgers basketball attire. No, 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 no. It was it was me and one other guy that would wear it. And I specifically remember meeting <laughs> that guy. Like, I, I met him towards the end of the season, too, which was so funny. You guys made a connection based on, you based know. Based on the shirts, of yes, course. Yes, yes. It, it I, brings I, people together. I got to say, though, another big Great loss. Great minds think alike. Yes, Mike. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I got to say another big loss for this season is not just the uh, the atmosphere, which obviously is, but the big loss for this season, and I don't know whether it's from COVID or from fear, but it's the Seton Hall game. Now, we don't know what's going on with that. You know, we're not Kevin Willard. We're not Steve Peichel. We're not Pat Hobbs. We're not whoever Seton Hall's AD is. Um, Doesn't matter. He's not Rutgers AD, so yeah, he's irrelevant. Even, they don't even have a football team. How much of an AD <laughs> are you? Um, but, no, I, I, I really don't understand, like, why Seton Hall doesn't see this game as being, like, viable to schedule when multiple Rutgers officials and players have said that um, their, bi their buys, like their conference buys, could line up into a game. And I don't understand, even without fans, why uh, Seton Hall would not want to give us this game when it's one of the bigger games on their schedules. It's definitely one of the bigger games on our schedules. That's a game I look forward to every year. I, I can definitely say the same for you guys. You know, I'm sure watching Rutgers go up 20, what was it, 20 to 2 or 18 to 2, the run they went on. I'm sure that was amazing for you guys. That was one of the best parts of the season. Oh, right it was awesome. It was awesome, man. You know what You know what else was like a really fun like production to be on? I mean, I couldn't even imagine what it was like to call that game. Uh, only Justin and Jake, who you know both graduated, can answer that. But I was on production for the Maryland game, and I was on Nightline after. That game was awesome. Oh, my God. we That was like the longest Nightline we've ever done. Like, I believe it. I the was... game ended like 9.30, I want to say. And, like, we were on until, like, 11.30. We were on for, like, two hours. We got, like, 20 calls that night. It was unbelievable, man. Yeah, I remember uh, actually being at that game, having the uh, the Barstool Storm Chasers sitting about five feet from me, which, which was pretty awesome. You know, they're cool guys. Uh, and clearly they know what they're talking about because they went into the storm, got to storm the court with us. But, yeah, last year was just – there were so many memories as a Rutgers basketball fan, no matter how old you are. And it's it, it it's so interesting to see them because if you're an older Rutgers fan, you've you've seen the teams in the '70s, you've seen success before. But if you're like our age or a younger Rutgers fan, this is this is really the first time you're seeing this team crack through. This is the first time you're seeing this team not be a doormat for the Big Ten or the Big East as they were before. And you know they're really competing. They're building. You know they're building into becoming like a viable program for a long, long time. And it, it's super, like, when you have moments like Seton Hall and Maryland, that helps. Um, I guess another one I can think of is We Want Cliff at the Indiana game. 
that, oh, that, that was, was amazing. That was pretty awesome. So if you don't know the story, um, if you're a Rutgers fan, you should. Cliff Omarui was our biggest recruit. He was a top 50 recruit in the nation this year. He was a four-star. Um, and during his recruiting process, he was at the home game against Indiana. There was a timeout. He was sitting next to Graciano. The riot squad knew about it. They chanted, we want Cliff. And, you know, the rest is history. He, it he, spreads. He, he I'm not saying that the Rutgers riot squad or the fan base got him to commit, but it doesn't hurt. This fan base c- can move mountains. I really believe that. The way, the way that this school comes around their teams and, you know, supports them and really knows about – the fans here are knowledgeable. They know about the recruits. They know about the schedule. They know about the guys on the other team. They know about the history. You know, it's it, it it's it's a great atmosphere to be a part of, and it, I think it draws a lot of people here. You know, we're not a basketball school yet, but I definitely think we're on our way to getting there. Yeah. Uh, going back to the Scene Hall thing, I would rather play Scene Hall than I would uh, Syracuse, to be honest with you. I would probably rather play Scene Hall than possibly Baylor if we still have that opportunity. Maybe not Baylor because they're top five teams in the country. Yeah, we, yeah I don't think the Baylor game's happening because we dropped out of the Jimmy V Classic. So it looks like no, Syracuse. No, no. Of course not. I'm oh. just saying that. Oh, you're saying like I was, another opportunity. I was so excited for the Seton Hall game. Right. But if I had the opportunity to play Seton Hall or Baylor, I might pick Seton Hall. I would pick Seton Hall. I would a thousand yeah, percent. Yeah, okay. because like, and I and I, I misunderstood what you meant by that, uh, Mike. But um, the thing with Seton Hall is not only are they a rival, but they're also a quality opponent. So you sort of kill right. two birds with one stone there. Um, you know, if right. and, and I they think just got a big transfer too, right? Bryce Aiken from Harvard. Yeah, not. I don't think he's as good as Miles Powell, but he's definitely going to fill that role effectively. And I'll say this: I remember. I want to say it was in August. I did an interview with James Cratch around the time that the football season was initially postponed. And I was asking him about basketball, what the basketball season will look like. And he said, basically, all you need, if you're Rutgers, you only need to play 20 league games and Seton Hall. That's really all you need. So. I I don't understand, and I keep harping on this, but I don't understand why they don't want to give us this game. From what I've seen, Rutgers officials... And, you know, this may not be true, but from what I've heard, what I've seen, I'm on campus, you know, I hear things. Um, Rutgers officials want this game. And I don't think there's any doubt about it that they want this game. This is a big game for their fans. This is a big game for recruiting. This is, you know, this is the Garden State Classic. They have a trophy for this game. This game is important. It means a lot to a lot of people in this state. And I don't know if it's Seton Hall not knowing if they can schedule it or if it's Seton Hall not wanting to schedule it. Cause you know, you get you get beat down pretty badly by a team. It's kind of hard to get up and play against them. Whether it's tomorrow, whether it's next year, that loss sits with you. It sits with you. And I don't know if Seton Hall wants another loss to Rutgers, who is supposed to be their little brother in this state. When it, in in terms of basketball, I don't think they want another loss on their record. And I think this pandemic has kind of given them a way to be like, well. If we don't have to schedule them, what's the point? That That's personally how I feel about this. Well, you know what the big issue with this is, reportedly? Um, because Rutgers and Seton Hall, as most in-state rivalries do, have it on an alternating home site. You know, like um, odd number of years it's at the rack, even number of years it's at Prudential Center. But Seton Hall doesn't want to give up their home game the um, this year because there's probably not going to be any fans. So now that leaves them in a position where, you know, Rutgers, you know, they don't want to give up uh, a road game at Seen Hall and then have to play them there next year on the road when they're probably going to be fans back. But at the same time, Seen Hall doesn't want to give up their home court advantage. So that's, I mean, it's not the only thing because, you know, league schedules are all over the place. Like there's, I'm sure there's a bunch of different factors going into it, but that's a big part of it too. And, um, that's going to be a challenge to overcome. I mean, I, I've seen some proposals on Twitter, just play it at a neutral site. I don't think that's a terrible idea. That's what I was going to say to like, you. Play there's, it at, like, There's you know, a few arenas in, in New Jersey where it could definitely be played. I mean, if you really Is there an sh- arena in Trenton where they could do it? 
Yeah, I don't. It's like the Cure Arena, I think it's called. I, I think it's where the Trenton Devils used to play. I mean, if you want to be really cool and make it like a historic thing, like go to Boardwalk Hall. I was gonna say that next. would be awesome. Yes. I mean, oh man, that'd be. I'm, awesome. I'm a big combat sports fan, so like I'm a big boxing fan. Right. Boardwalk Hall holds a special place in my heart. Seeing a basketball game there would definitely be awesome. I mean, I don't think it would cost Seton Hall or Rutgers that much. And if you really think about it, you can just reset. Like, we could play Seton Hall on the road next year. I don't know if Rutgers would want to do that. But See, if, if Steve Peichel really wants to make a power move, he could go to Ken Willard and say, fine, we'll, we could play. Uh, we'll, we'll, you know, we'll take the, uh, the home game this year. And we'll beat you next year in your stadium with your fans. Like that'd be. A That'll bad. never happen, but that would be awesome. I don't think he's gonna do that though. I, I would. Uh, of I, course not. I would vote for Pike. I would vote for Pykele in twenty twenty four if he did that, and that's like not a exactly. question that would happen. Pykele Shiano twenty four. Man, Nate Silver can book that right now if he declares. You know. I don't know if you can tell Nate Silver to book anything after the past few years. He's uh. You know, if 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 you uh if you were betting on him uh in Vegas, they had, would... there was a wide probability distribution there, Dylan. No, that's fair. It was wide. That's fair. The economist the economist uh, model screwed up. They gave Biden like a ninety five percent chance of a blowout. Like that was way off. He was like, he literally sent out a tweet. He's like, yeah, might be. I'm like, oh boy. Polls are I something mean, else, man. The polls are wrong every year. It's yes. Just... So, uh, Rutgers, um, no, but I, um, I definitely think, I don't really know if it's a Pykele Willard thing or if it's a Hobbs, Seton Hall AD to be named later thing. Um, but I just, I, I still don't understand, like from Seton Hall, this can only look bad from an optics perspective. I, I don't, I don't know the way I see it. And I think I've been on Rutgers Twitter the past couple of days. Oh, by the way, this, uh. This game caused a lot of debate on uh, WRSU Twitter. A lot of people oh. with like a lot of a lot of people with forty followers, Yikes. you know, representing not their even forty. Big out us. big time former D one yeah, yeah, basketball yeah. coach, thirty six followers. WRSU Twitter had a person whose Twitter name was I don't remember their actual name. It was something. Big, I mean, if they were relevant, we would it remember it. Big so time that tells something. You, yes, who claimed he was a Division one coach? The man had thirty followers. He is almost a recruiting like he hurts the recruiting. That that that's how little impact he has. He hurts the recruiting of that team. But no, you know, I think um, I think Seton Hall fans feel feel a little uncomfortable. You know, I think they're they feel a little uncomfortable about their throne of the state for basketball being taken, and and they should feel uncomfortable. You know, what Seton Hall is what I would refer to as the old man's New Jersey basketball school. If you're like 60 years old and you're from New Jersey, you have seen way more Seton Hall success than you have Rutgers. And I don't think there's a doubt there. Seton Hall won national championship. Maybe they definitely got in the final four a couple times. But if you're someone who is a younger basketball fan watching now in the state of New Jersey, I would say that you're more inclined to pick Rutgers just because of, you know, the it's, it's, it's recency bias, but it's the recent success we've had. It's the atmosphere. No one beats the rack in any part of the country. I don't care what college basketball fans say. The rack is the best arena in the country. It is. Um, it's the most underrated in the country, absolutely. too. Absolutely. We recruit. Um, I believe we had a better recruiting class than Seton Hall. I don't think Seton Hall had a top 50 player. They definitely didn't have Cliff Omarui because he came to Rutgers. But... You know, I, I, I think Seton Hall fans, you know, say what you want on Twitter. It's fine. It's Twitter. Everyone says what they want to say. But, um, yeah, we uh, we over here in the Rutgers universe know that um, we're coming for the, for the top spot in this state. And I don't think it's going to be a long time before we take it. Yeah. I mean, personally, I think Rutgers is already the best team in the state of New Jersey. Gentlemen, we are back with the crew on WRSU. Chris Conus, Mikey Nichols, Dylan McCoy here. And now we are going to go through our locks of the week. This is the segment of the show where you either love us for making you money 
or you hate us for not making you money. And can I just say, if you're making any financial decisions based on my advice, you probably shouldn't be allowed to gamble. Yeah, if you're going to take a Rutgers student who has not yet gotten his degree in sports journalism and are going to listen to his bets, and you lose, that's on you. But um, luckily for everyone, you're a computer science major, right, Dylan? That uh, <laughs> I'm a I'm a failed computer science major, but but yes. Um, so hopefully I'll recovering be able to, econ right here with you. Hopefully I'll be able to put the numbers together and win everyone a couple bucks. So I'm gonna <laughs> come to you first, Chris. Uh, what is your lock for this uh this upcoming weekend? You know, I, I've thought about this long and hard. I'm looking at Michigan minus three and a half uh, at Indiana, and, you know, I'm picking Indiana to cover that. I think the Hoosiers look really, really good. Wow. Frankly, two games in, I'd say they're the second-best team in the Big Ten. Uh, Michigan has not impressed me. If you lose to uh, Michigan State at home, yeah, I know. You don't have the home field advantage, but still, Michigan State's a rebuilding team. Michigan was supposed to be in contention to maybe – maybe give Ohio State a run for their money, but so far they've disappointed. I'm going to go with Indiana here. I like that. It's definitely bold. Michael Penix, I believe. Uh, Mikey, what do you got for this weekend, man? So, uh, I got to do it. I got to take Rutgers to cover. You know, it's. I think it's plus 38 right now. Um, and I, I don't think... 52 nothing. Exactly. I don't think this team is that's two touchdowns. I think this team could score two touchdowns against this Ohio State defense, albeit garbage time, and I think they'll give up a couple less points. So I think they'll cover. I'm I'm sorry, you think they're gonna cover two touchdowns? No, they're gonna cover plus thirty eight. Oh, okay, okay. I I I got confused. They will yeah, hopefully cover plus thirty eight. I don't know. This this yeah, Ohio State I'm team saying, has done unspeakable things to this Rutgers team in the past few years. It's 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 been bad. But um all right. My lock of the week is actually going to be on Sunday because I love watching football and it is going to be Baltimore who is minus two and a half for some reason against the Colts. Baltimore coming off, they just played the Steelers tough. You know, they have two losses. Um they don't have Philip Rivers who throws interceptions every game. Uh so I am Definitely like in the Ravens minus. Wait, Philip Rivers isn't playing? Did I hear that correctly? No, 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 no. He is playing, and that's a detriment to the Colts that he's playing because he gotcha. throws he throws interceptions like it's going out of style. Like they beat the Lions last week, and they would have had that game over by the middle of the third quarter, but Philip Philip Rivers threw like two second half interceptions. No big deal. I, I was I was gonna ask you guys how did you um did either of you guys bet this week and how did you end up doing because this weekend was a a shocker for for a lot of people and a lot of teams. Uh yeah, you know, uh, every every week I look at last week like it's dead to me. So you know, that's a good way to look at it. Especially uh, this last week was dead to me by about two fifteen. Yeah, so, not one. No, not, fun, not, not good. Not fun watching the Rams, who you think are gonna steamroll Tua and the Dolphins, and Jared Goff has four first half nope. turnovers. Actually, the one thing that I hit, I swear to God, I took the Dolphins money line. Well, then you are smarter than me at picking. Well, no, not really, because I think that's the only thing I hit. <laughs> You're still smarter than me, cause it's the it's the one thing you hit on, and I didn't hit on anything, so. Um, Chris, how did you how did you do this weekend? Any Red Bulls bets? Any uh, Rutgers futures? Anything? No, no, I I stayed off. There wasn't anything I really liked. Um, I I just saw um a chart of how the election night uh betting spread moved over the night. Did you see this, Dylan? Yeah, I think it started off. It started like, off with like you know um I think Trump was at minus five fifty or plus five fifty. And then he moved into minus value. Biden was at plus three fifty. It was like, it was like that uh, game where Josh Rosen came back from forty five ten down. That's what the graph looked like. <laughs> and now it basically reverted back to what it was before. I gotta say. So someone could have like, you know, depending on how this goes, someone could have like live bet uh, the winning candidate at like plus four hundred value. Which politics aside, like that's insanely good that, value. That's a. I would say that's a bad bet, just because like if you had any idea 
of how this was going to go. Yeah. And I'm sorry, Dad. I said this wasn't going to be a politics. <laughs> but come on. Who isn't talking about it? I mean, we can't just ignore it. Yeah, like, it's happening. It's everything. It's like trying to ignore COVID. You, you can't yeah. do it. Yeah. Um, no, but if if you were to take Trump at minus 600 last night, which, first of all, why would you take either of these people at minus 600 when we've all <laughs> known that it's going to be a race? But secondly... Nate Silver didn't know. 538 never seems to know, apparently. But I would... Why would you take Trump the first night of the election when multiple of the most important states have told us for months, we're not going to be done, we're going to have mail-ins, and we're going to have to count them for days. Mail-ins are obviously going go, to go to the left. So I just... If you got Biden at plus 400 last night, please send me your bet slip. Uh, send the bet slip to WRSU Sports on Twitter because you're a genius. I would I would love to see it. I would love to verify that someone actually took that. And if you took Trump at minus 600 and you feel comfortable enough, send it to WRSU. But, Twitter. like, if you're taking, like, put aside, like, your political views. Right? I'm not trying to make this about our personal political views. Minus I'm just, 600 is a bad yes, bet. Yes, I'm, I'm speaking strictly from the betting perspective. I mean, it's bad even if you think the guy's going to win because it's terrible value. Like, you risk 10, you win. What do you even win there? Like, two bucks or something uh, like that? Well, my, my if, math is off. If, if you go about minus 600, you'd have to bet $600 to make $100. Yeah, that's like, that's just stupid at that point. Like, you're not, it's not worth it. So no, you'd I, have to bet 60 to win 10 bucks. Yes. Bet 60 to win 10 on the guy who wasn't even projected to win by anyone. Yeah, but Not- even if you're even if you're betting sixty dollars to win ten dollars on someone who's supposed to win, oh, financially just- it's just it, unless you're betting like a thousand dollars and you're like sure of it and you're trying to make a little money, there's there's no point. There's I don't understand people who like I don't know if you guys have seen, but you know I've been on Fanduel's Twitter and I think I saw someone take like the one part of the bet I remember was the Jets plus like forty four, and they took every team like plus forty. And they put, like, two grand on it to win, like, five grand. And, like, obviously, like, that hit. But it's, like, who would think of, like, such a ridiculous bet to place? Like, I think he got the Ravens at, like, plus 35 and a half. Which is obviously, it's so obvious that it's going to cover. It's like an investment at that point. You know, maybe maybe that guy knows what he's talking about. Because that was basically an investment for him. He took all the, I think he took all the underdogs plus 35 and above. Right. And hit on every single one of them because there were no blowouts. Right. Interesting. It was just incredible. Yeah. If you really have that money to throw, though, like, I guess it makes sense because, you know, it's in, in an NFL game, like, the odds of winning by 35 or more points are extremely low. The Rams put together one of the worst performances I've ever seen in the first half of that game. Jared Goff lost me some money, so I've, I've, I've mentioned him a couple of times, but... They put together one of the worst performances I've ever seen in the first half of a game and still didn't lose by 35. Right. Like, the odds on that are just absolutely ridiculous. You know, and, like, the spreads aren't even that long to begin with. There was only one double-digit spread last week. Actually, there were two. They were both against the New York teams because, as Chris knows, the Jets and the Giants are awesome, and that's why people bet against them. I can't wait till we get (laughs) – You know how the Eagles uh, are letting fans back into their stadium. If um, if Phil Murphy wants to create a fun little diversion, he should let everyone in, let people into the uh, uh, last home Jets and Giants games of 2020. Oh, you think people oh. would go? I'd go. Wearing, I would not. I'd go just to tell Gettleman go. that I want him out of there. I'm not even. I'm not even taking into consideration the whole COVID thing. I just don't want to see the Jets in person, like on TV. Exactly. They're bad I, enough. I feel- I feel like it, you know, in a state, in an outdoor stadium that holds sixty thousand people, if you let ten to twenty thousand people in, I feel safe enough, honestly, going as as long as we're all outdoors. I don't want to watch the Jets. I was gonna say it might be an optics thing because if you're Governor Murphy, and you allocate like ten, twenty thousand seats, like you gotta fill ten, twenty thousand seats, and with COVID, and not the even on-field like. Perfor- the Eagles are letting like six thousand in. It would be a very small crowd if they let anyone in. Do you think the Jets could fill six thousand at this moment? No, I don't think the Giants could either. No, I, I wouldn't. In go. a normal year, they would probably no, get twenty thousand anyway. But like that's like the minimum you get in a normal year. But also, people are afraid of COVID and all that. So, yeah, six thousand isn't happening. 
I think six thousand would be. You think you think they could match that? Yeah, because I think people are are saying, well, this is the only chance I get to watch football in person. All right, I guess I'm. I guess maybe going to see a good game. If Rutgers, if Rutgers let fans in, I would go to a game like that. I wasn't broadcasting. That's different. That's, that's different. If that's they let a couple thousand different. people in SHI, I would go. But we, we also wouldn't have to pay for it as Rutgers students. That that's fair that's, too. That's, yeah. Yeah. You're right. No, but um, I just I I really don't think the, I don't know if the Giants would get twenty thousand people. What am I gonna do? I'm gonna watch Daniel Jones play great for a quarter and a half. There's gonna be some hope, and then we're gonna lose. This team, they're one and seven, but they have five losses within a touchdown. We are five very minuscule differences in a game away from being a six and two football team. Now I understand that's extremely unrealistic to change all of this, and I understand that. But this team is competing, and there's still no hope from the fan base. This team competes every week, and. I know on Monday night in the third quarter at one point, I was like, they're going to lose. They're going to find a way to lose. And what did this team do? They found a way to lose. A game they should not have been competitive in. And they almost won it, but they didn't. Watching the Giants and Jets is so agonizing. Being a New York sports fan, people would say we're spoiled, but at this point in time, it is agonizing. Wait, 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 wait. I don't think anyone's saying New York sports fans are spoiled. I mean... Who? Pre pre two thousand. Oh yeah, much. yeah. Then then I especially I can if argue. you're a Yankee. Like I'm a Yankees fan, so yeah. I, I mean, if I was alive before them, I'd be spoiled. But I've only seen one World Series. Yeah, it's been. I mean, Boston took over that for the last twenty years, that's, but even they seem to be like worse. falling off. That's like, even it, it, the only team that that Boston has right now, and maybe maybe one of you guys can correct me if I'm from off the mark here. Really, I think the Celtics are the only ones that seem in position to win a championship in the next five years, maybe. I mean, I don't want to channel my inner Robert Baxter, <laughs> but don't forget about the Boston Bruins. That that was, like, the one other one that I was thinking about, but the Celtics, you'd have to say, are the best positioned out of the four. Um, I was, It's definitely between the Celtics or the Bruins. The Bruins are a very good, very good team. That entire first line is locked up under... You know, very good contract. So, yeah. I'll keep an eye on him. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I, but again, then again, the Celtics have Tatum and Brown. Yeah, so. I feel like the Celtics like they need like another star to really, really be championship contenders. They need someone better than Daniel Tice down low. That's that, yeah. That's where it starts and ends. If they got like, I mean, I'm just I'm not saying this is anywhere near realistic, but they've got like someone who can just you know muck stuff up. In the paint, like you know, like a Draymond Green type. Embiid, Embiid, yeah. Even even a guy like Draymond, but like, I I don't know, man. I I think that I don't know. I just don't see Tatum and Brown as good as they are. I don't see them as being like the best two players on the team that winning a championship. I feel like they're like a step below. I don't know, man. Jason Tatum's I think Tatum's gonna be the guy. You you think he's gonna be like a number one guy on a championship team though? He could be. He's I yeah. I think he's a top twenty five player in the league now. His his bag is ridiculous. The things he can do with a basketball, very few people can do, especially at his age. I I'm a Boston hater. Believe me, I do not like Boston sports, and I don't no, I know, I, I know. But I you know he is good. Jalen Brown's good too. You I know. think Jalen Brown's severely underrated by fans. He definitely is underrated. I I wouldn't disagree with you. I mean, he, he is a guy who in the playoffs averaged, I think, 20, if not more. Um, he, he played great in the playoffs. Tatum played awesome in the playoffs. I definitely, I think they just need a third guy that's not Kemba Walker. I, I don't, I don't really, I don't really understand that signing. The only reason I got it was because of the Brad Stevens connect between Kemba and uh, Brad Stevens uh, going back to his UConn days, but I don't know. I uh I they need someone else. I think Jason Tatum could be the one. I think uh Jalen Brown could definitely be the two. Uh they they just need a three. Speaking of teams that need someone else, I'm very happy you mentioned that. So Daryl Morey is the head of basketball operations for the Sixers. 
He was just in that role for the Rockets. And there have been multiple reports today that he wants to trade for James Harden to play for the 76ers. Now, but he, I, I don't know the validity of them. I'm sure he, he's, like, trying, but I guess if you're Houston, what would you take from Philly that that, that they're reasonably I, willing to give up? I saw a hilarious meme. Like, because Ben Simmons isn't going to do it. Now, I was going to say, I saw a hilarious meme where it was Ben Simmons and Russell Westbrook, and it was like, Simmons passes out to Westbrook for the drive, and Westbrook drives. And pass out to Simmons, and they keep doing that, and they just <laughs> they just get a shot clock violation. Like, oh, that's funny. I, I would love to see Harden with a. I know like Houston's whole thing was like small ball, but if you're gonna be in an offense where Harden is gonna shoot the ball forty times a game, why not have someone like Embiid down low? Just literally have someone him, who can clean up the misses. Uh huh. Embiid, if if I'm that coach and I have both of them, not saying that this is gonna happen. This is most likely not going to happen. But I just thought it was really interesting. Um, no, but if I'm the coach and and beads my center, I'm like, all right, man, I'm gonna be real with you. Harden's touching the ball 80 times a game. Stay down low, rebound, pass it back out. And Bead would not be cool with that. I know he wouldn't be cool with that, but he'd have to be because James Harden's the best offensive player in the league and possibly ever. Ah, wouldn't go that far. I I don't I don't. He's the the one knock on him is he's not super efficient. But other than that, that he can get to the hole on any defender. He can hit a step back three on any defender. It's gross what he can do with a basketball in his hands. Don't 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 forget about the Slim Reaper. Trust me, I'm a, I'm a Brooklyn Nets fan. I am not forgetting about the Slim Reaper. Have, having Kevin Durant in Brooklyn is going to be awesome. Is it just me, or is the East like, in terms of who's going to win the East? I feel like this is the most competitive it's been in a long time. It's the most competitive it's been since before LeBron James and the original Cleveland Cavaliers. Yeah, it's going way back. Because like, are... you've got Boston, you've got Brooklyn, you've got Miami, I would argue. Who knows what Milwaukee's going to look like. Ho- um, hopefully, you know, for their sake, they manage to get a guy or two. Because um, Giannis has been underserved there. Like, you're not going to win any championships when Chris Middleton's your number two option. I'm sorry. Um, cause, but here's the thing, though. You might actually, if you're an opposing Eastern Conference team, you might be secretly hoping that, you know, Milwaukee trades for someone like Chris Paul. Why do I say that? Because if the Bucks have an underwhelming year next year, Giannis' contract is up, there's a lot of speculation that he could be going to Miami. And if you gave, if you have Giannis Antetokounmpo, Jimmy Butler, and guys like Tyler Hero and, and others in the supporting cast, like Duncan, Duncan that, Robinson. That's a yes, Duncan Robinson. Jimmy Neutron. He he's a baller. Oh, that is great. That's what Sheen the Lakers bench is calling them. He looks more like Sheen though. If we're if we're gonna be honest. Uh, uh, I don't know. Uh, he's really? got like no, I don't think so. Is it, is no. it the hair uh, is it the hair or it's one hundred percent the hair. Okay. All it's right. not the Jimmy Neutron hair. All right. All yeah. Right. Well, all once right. you once you have the hair, it doesn't matter what, what kind of shaped head you got. That is You're that is much Jimmy Neutron. That is true. If you got the flip, if you got the flip on top, it, it it's kind of over. It's so. kind of like it's kind of like I have a friend who looks nothing like Timmy Turner, but if you put a pink hat on his head, give him some buck <laughs> teeth. No, absolutely, I'm identical. That. Chris, what was that you were saying before though about uh Chris Paul? I was gonna say like a guy like Chris Paul getting traded to the Bucks, like that would be their best opportunity to compete. And I think that, you know, the Bucks roster plus a guy like Chris Paul is more beatable than Giannis in Miami. If Giannis is in Miami, the Heat, in my view, become the favorites to win the East. To win the title. And well, it, yes. And it, and it becomes, and it becomes, like, I mean, yeah, Boston and Brooklyn could probably compete and maybe eke out a seven-game series, but it becomes a lot harder. I would rather, I'd ra- as a Nets fan, I would rather uh, worry about a very good Bucks team than a great Heat team. That is true. The like, one thing I do have to say, though, sorry, Chris, but Chris Paul actually announced a little while ago that he only wants to go to L.A. or New York. So New York? That's for my boy Giannis there. He did wait, say wait, New York. Wait, wait, he wait, said wait, New wait, York. Wait. No, 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 no. I, he no, wants to I've go to the seen, Knicks. I've he said New York. That, that Dolan wants to trade for Chris Paul. I don't hate the trade at all uh, if I'm a Knicks uh, fan. I mean, no, 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 that's not the point is why would he want to go to New York if you're an aging star who doesn't have a ring? Get paid, be in a big market. 
Yeah, that's campaign. why he's good in New York. But he doesn't have does does that not motivate him? But he's what? an aging star, so what? every aging star past his prime usually ends up on the Knicks anyway. I, I think I think I, I could maybe, see him doing that like after he like you know wins somewhere. Yeah, I was gonna say I think it's different with Chris Paul because he's obviously he's never won a championship. He's never been past the conference semifinals. I don't know though. When I hear that, I I I would say it's definitely more so. I want to go to either the Clippers or the Lakers, but I don't know if either of them would like take him and like the contract that he demands that he's worth. He's worth what he gets paid, but it, I think going to the Knicks, just being the star of a team, you know, having the biggest contract, making the most money, selling the most jerseys, you know, that's that's got to be appealing, especially if you're on your way out. You know, Chris Paul's 35, 36 years old. Um, you know, be memorable. Make a name for yourself. Make a name for yourself so that when you're done, people remember you. Not saying that no one's going to remember Chris Paul. He's, he's arguably the best point guard of his entire generation. But I don't know. I think being in the limelight would be kind of nice for him. He's kind of been overshadowed his whole career, if we're going to be honest. He was an MVP-level player in New Orleans. Um, he was He was great. He was part of Lob City in L.A. with the Clippers. Um... I mean that team that team should have won a title. The most fun uh, team of the 2010s. That, that that's the all the reason they were they didn't win a title was all because of egos, I think. Nah, I'm with that too. I mean, they had like a great structured team. Maybe if they had Blake Griffin with his skill set now, huge game changer. You have Blake Griffin. True, being able to shoot the three. Being able to just play different. in the post too and just open up spacing and not be an automatic go to the basket, he's dunking guy. You know, uh, I mean, DeAndre Jordan, you can say the same thing, but he's still, when he gets the ball, go to the basket, he's dunking guy. So, but no, nah, I think, I think for Chris Paul, it's definitely a, um, definitely uh, get noticed, you know, be in a big market. It's probably more win a championship for him, but I don't know if that's really in the cards for him anymore. 